0: Welcome to AMBEST Audio.
1: For the third consecutive year, Denmark leads the world when it comes to national resilience, according to FM Global's 2023 Resilience Index. The Resilience Index ranks the resilience of nearly 130 countries' business environments based on economic, risk quality, and supply chain data using 15 drivers. I'm Lori Chortis for AMBEST TV. And joining us now to talk about the importance of resilience and other findings from this year's index, which fuels business continuity and sustainable growth, is Pente Tofta, he's Staff Senior Vice President of Data Analytics at FM Global. Pente, welcome, it's great to see you again. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thank you, I'm I'm so happy to be here.
1: Can you tell us about the FM Global Resilience Index and how the data is compiled?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first thing to realize about the, the index is it is um, we make it available to anyone. Uh, it's a free tool, you can, it's online, uh, it's interactive, it has a lot of different features, and um, you can go to fmglobal.com to, to play around with it. Um, what we do every year is we update the index with a variety of data sources, and these are well-respected um, organizations that provide data for us, so things like uh, United Nations, the World Health Organization, World Bank, um, the International Monetary Fund. And then for some of the drivers, we take our own proprietary data and infuse it into uh, the data sets as well. And that results in those 15 drivers that are really all about resilience. And when we then combine those, that is what creates the resilience index. And I think what people can use the tools for is really for long range planning, um, particularly if you have a global footprint as an organization. Uh, to see what territories might you want to expand into and and how would you go about that.
1: So what are some of the biggest risks facing global businesses today?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great question. It's um, uh, certainly today, I think business leaders uh, are faced with a much more varied set of risks than in any time in recent history, right? So we're We were in the pandemic. We're just beginning to come out of that now. And there are certainly some lingering after effects uh, from from the pandemic. Um, There's certainly a good amount of geopolitical tension uh, as well in in the world. And then we have things like climate risk that's continually kind of rising up the ranks of importance for, for, for organizations. And here we're talking about increased risk of wildfire, of flooding, hurricanes, hail, freeze and so on. Uh, and then I think on the economic side, there are also things that you have to contend with. Right. So we have now probably in the second, almost third year, we're in this high inflationary environment that has proven, I think, to become to to be more stubborn and more difficult to get under control than people originally thought. And then, of course, there's the looming specter of a recession on the um, um, on the horizon as well. And I think, lastly, what, what keeps coming up in conversation is, is the global economy, where is it headed? And that's something that the Resilience Index can talk to you a little bit as well, where we see that there's a strong link between resilience and productivity in a given country. And some of the other factors that play in are, are things like healthcare care expenditure, um, energy intensity and, and um, urbanization rates.
1: So what can companies do to address those risks and become more resilient?
0: Yeah, I think um, certainly when you look across those risks, some are more within your control than others, right? So so I, I think it's few organizations that, that can address um, or have an impact on geopolitical um, uh, uh, events around the world. But certainly there are risks that are within your control. And an example of that are, are things like climate risk, right? So, as an, so today, if you're an organization and you're looking at potentially building a new facility somewhere, you have to be aware of not just what is your climate risk to that facility today, but if it has, say, a useful life of 50 to 60 years, you need to start asking the question, well, what is the climate going to be like for that facility in 2050 or perhaps even 2070? So that would be one example. Um, I think other things that are within your control is where you actually site your, your facilities, right? So when you look at, for instance, uh, seismic risk in earlier this year in Turkey, um, they had the most significant earthquake, most devastating earthquake they'd had in over 80 years. And and I think that event really illustrated the need for consistent adherence and enforcement of building codes and standards. And that's something else that the Resilience Index can help inform uh, uh, decisions around in terms of where is the seismic risk potentially most severe in different regions around the world.
1: Can you tell us more about the importance of resilience and how a resilient company can mitigate revenue losses, market share, and growth in the midst of disruption?
0: Yeah, I think this is a very relevant question, particularly now as we're getting deeper into into hurricane season. And I can tell you one of the stories that we see unfolding time and time again after some of these large events. And you don't have to go back more than to, to last fall when, when Hurricane Ian came through. That was um, a very devastating event. And when you look at some of these locations or buildings that are, that are located in that area, you could have a virtually identical building sitting maybe a few blocks away or even on the same street and where the damage to each of those buildings could be very different. Right? so you have one building potentially where loss prevention culture has been really strong and there's a strong focus on mitigating the effects of the hurricane before it makes landfall, such as tightening down uh, the building envelope, shoring up windows and, and doors, and making sure that the roof is in good condition. Whereas the other building, the roof might have come off, and that building is now out of out of commission for, for the better part of a year before it gets rebuilt. And so a lot of these costs actually are, are not recoverable from, from your standard insurance policies, such as, um, you know, loss of market share or reputation in the marketplace and certainly employee morale. Employees no longer have a place to go to work. Right. And and finally, things like investor confidence. And I think all these things are things that play into the resilience of an organization. And we see a very strong link between that loss prevention culture and interest in in preserving your your assets. Um, have a very strong link with with resilience.
1: For the third year, Denmark tops this year's rankings. Why has Denmark once again claimed the top spot when it comes to resilience?
0: Yeah, I think when you look at the top-ranking countries, they have a few things in common. And and that's that's typically that they score fairly high in each of the drivers. It doesn't mean that they are the top-ranking in every single driver. But when you consistently score high in many of them, you tend to bubble towards the top. And so I think some of the things that benefit a country like Denmark is that there is relatively less climate risk there than in other um, um, than in other areas of, of the world. And the same thing is true for um, things like political risk. It's a fairly politically stable uh, environment in Denmark. Um, and you have a fairly high level of production per capita in in that um, in that country as well. And so that's those factors are also true for some of the other um some of the other countries that are at the the top of the list, such as Switzerland, Germany, Singapore, Luxembourg. Um, And I would say even a country like the United States, in spite of the fact that there is a high degree of climate risk, particularly on the East Coast from hurricanes and flooding and so on, um, the United States is also in the top 10 ranking uh, for the index.
1: Which countries were the biggest risers and which were the biggest fallers in this year's rankings and why?
0: Yeah, so every year we look at what is the movement within the index, and and for this year, the Dominican Republic was the was the highest riser. It rose about five six points, and um, and that was predominantly due to a higher climate risk ranking for, for for that country. On the other end of the spectrum, we had Lebanon, which uh, fell about five five places, and that was largely attributable to to um, to a decrease in healthcare spending uh, compared to the prior year. Now, I will say. Generally speaking, we don't expect to see a lot of volatility in the index year over year. And this is really what we also want out of an index like this, uh, because stability in an index like this is really what you need for longer term kind of planning purposes. Now, that's not to say that you don't see within individual drivers a fair amount of fluctuation. So as an example this year, the energy intensity driver was the one that we saw most change in the underlying data for. Um, And of course, energy intensity is really um, a measure of how is your productivity in that country dependent on energy. So if we think back here to last year, what was happening with the Ukrainian war, uh, where a lot of countries in Europe were really dependent on fossil fuels coming from Russia, and they were faced with either substantially higher costs for that fuel or seeking out alternative sources. And so when you have a higher dependency on, on energy, your productivity is at risk.
1: When it comes to climate risk exposure and climate risk quality which nations ranked among the highest and lowest and what contributed to that
0: yeah i think when we look at something like climate risk it really comes down to uh first of all what is the exposure in the region that we're looking at so so the countries that tend to bubble towards the top are the ones that don't have much exposure in the in the first place so these would be countries like scandinavia including denmark uh, that, that don't have exposure to, for instance, severe flooding or hurricanes and, and, and things like that, that nature. Um, and then you look at the other end of the spectrum. So you could take some of the countries in the, in, in the Caribbean, for instance, that, that certainly have an exposure to both hurricanes and, and severe, severe flooding. And that's what tends to kind of drive the difference between the highest ranking and, and, and the lowest ranking. Um, but I would say when it comes to climate risk, this is increasingly uh, becoming a board level issue for a lot of organizations. Um, and I think the, the, just the sheer amount of um, demand for assessment solutions, reporting solutions for, for climate risk uh, has just soared in the last few years, so much so that we have decided to, we decided last year to develop a whole suite of climate resilience tools that people can help understand or that we can help people understand what is my exposure to to climate risk. So on the one hand, we'll map a a organization's locations around exposures from wildfire, flooding, um, could be hail, freeze, hurricanes, um, snow collapse, to, to help people understand what is my current exposure to climate risk? But then what people are also interested in is what does that picture look like 10 years from now, 30 years from now? So we have a separate product that looks, looks out a little bit further to help people forecast. Um, and this is something that, that I think um, ha, has been really, really well received and at the same time helps people with something that, that is becoming even more important for organizations that's the need to report on this, either from a regulatory standpoint, um, or you have stakeholders, perhaps as an organization, that are really expecting you to report on what is the impact of climate risk on your organization.
1: How about political risk and economic risk, what countries were among the most resilient in those areas, and what contributed to that?
0: Yeah, I think for the economic factor in the in the in the index, um, some of the European countries. Um, Come towards the top as well such as Luxembourg and Switzerland, and and I think specifically when you look at political risk, uh, that makes sense because they have fairly politically stable uh, environments in those countries. Now, if you move down the list a little bit further, you find countries like the Ukraine and Russia, uh, which over the years have seen a declining uh, ranking in political risk, and 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 that's not not just because of the most of the war here most recently, but this is a conflict that's been going on, shall we say, for five to 10 years. And so over the years, we've seen a declining uh, r- uh, ranking for political risk. And then, you know, sometimes you see outliers in there as well. So for this year, as an example, China uh, dropped 10 points, which is quite a bit for an individual driver. And uh, and this is predominantly because of social, you know, social protests and about protests for, um, you know, there's zero COVID policies and so on that some of the some of the newsworthy um, uh, topics from last year. And then I think the most extreme example that we saw in this year's index for political risk is a country like South, South Africa, which has seen the most intense violence since uh, the, the, the early to mid 90s. Um, and that's for a variety of reasons. But, but because of that, they dropped about 29, 29 ranks in, 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 in that driver for, for this year.
1: Expanding a bit about something that you talked about earlier when you were telling us more about the Resilience Index, how does the index help global business leaders select new sites, create stronger supply chains, and target new markets?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think those are probably the main uses for, for the index. So if you're an executive or a business leader and you're looking to expand into a new market or modify your supply chain or anything like that, what you can do is you can go into the index, and again, it's highly interactive. And if, it probably works actually the best if you have already narrowed down your choices to maybe three to five countries that you're really interested in, in understanding more about. There is a feature in, in the index where you can uh, actually compare three to five countries against each other um, to, for, for the things that you're interested in. And I think not everyone is going to be interested in all 15 drivers perhaps, uh, but what we also make available within the index is the availability to simply download the data. OK, so the underlying data, what some organizations do is they take that data and they decide on maybe the five drivers that are most important to them. And in some cases, they have existing frameworks and they can simply append uh, that data onto their existing framework. So as an example, some organizations um, have literally zero tolerance or zero risk appetite for territories to have an earthquake risk. And so that, that's something that the Resilience Index could help with um, because it very clearly spells out what are those areas where you should be concerned about earthquakes.
1: Wonderful. Well, Penty, any final thoughts to share? Is there anything else you'd like to add today?
0: Well, Lori, we talked about a lot of things today. Um, I, I think uh, just to recap, you, you know, the Resilience Index is is uh, a publicly available tool. Anyone can can go in there. I would highly encourage anyone that that uh, is involved with things like uh, ESG, environmental, social, and governance, or climate risk evaluations, to to go in and play with it and. And again, it really is intended for for that long range strategic planning for for business leaders of today.
1: Well, Penty, this has been so informative, so interesting. It's wonderful speaking with you. And thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: That was Penty Tofta, Staff Senior Vice President of Data Analytics at FM Global. For AMBEST TV, I'm Lori Chortis.